All right, everybody, welcome to the Nerdy Bunch Presents NSSN, the nerdy sports podcast brought to you by a bunch of sports nerds. I am your host, Travis the American Yank, and with me are my two amigos, starting with Mr. Koki. Mr. Koki, how are we? Good today, you know, and always good, never bad. Got a haircut this weekend, guys. Look at the little bit put together. I feel, feel better. Feel better. Who did you bribe or 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 kidnap to get a haircut? Can't speak to that. I don't want my man's get in trouble. I see. Truth. I see. Okay. Well, you keep your secrets because we're gonna get to secrets kept in this mm. conversation. Um, but there is no secret about our third man joining us, and that's Tim. Tim, how are we doing? What's up, everybody? Having a great day. Having a good day. It is a good day here in Philadelphia. Um, so let's get right into it, everybody. We are on five and six of The Last Dance. Um, themes were more or less centered around the glitter and glam of stardom. And then six kind of railed into the, the forced mask off, if you will, of Michael Jordan's prestige. I use force, uh, you know, to definitely uh, highlight what I think about that. But um, let's get right into it. Tim, are you still with us? You have since then. Yeah, I'm here. Been frozen. Okay, great. You're just frozen on my screen. All right. So I want to jump in right away. Um, Tim, you were, before we got on, munching at the bit to start talking. So I want you to go and, and lead us off with your thoughts from the two episodes. And, uh, and then maybe get into a little bit of a theory that you got going on here and we'll jump in and out. So take it away. Let's do it. Yeah. First off, episode five got me hyped right off the get. Mm. Starting it off with a little Nas is, is how you get me interested. <laughs> a little, little side note for the audience. So the music hyped me up. I was, I was ready to go. I was like, here's another Sunday. I get to enjoy a little history of basketball. Nothing better. And then I'm just thinking about like this interview I, I I heard between the director Jason Hare and Jalen Rose on the Jalen Jacoby show, and they were discussing mm-hmm. how Michael Jordan had a lot of creative control. So he he was really involved in the production. So it's not necessarily a straight up documentary. It's more of a production of Michael Jordan by Michael Jordan. So I'm mm-hmm. just curious. What, what are they hiding from us or what's the direct narrative? Because we all know with media, mm-hmm. there, there's always a specific angle they're trying to hit. He wants to show the good side and the bad side, the will to win, the gambling issues. Like for, for me, that, that doesn't matter too much. Like mm-hmm. I try to keep the art from the artist. I try mm-hmm. to understand like, okay, I don't want to give LeBron James a tick negative on his greatest of all time type of debate just because he wants to discuss politics. Michael Jordan Mm -hmm. decided, no, I want to stay away from that because quote unquote, Republicans buy shoes too. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that should be a reason why we love Michael Jordan more, but at the end of the day, it kind of is. It's like he had Mm -hmm. a clean image and until the Jordan rules book got released and people understood like, okay, he, he wasn't that perfect of a guy because nobody can be. And I feel I connect with people who are authentic. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of 
it was a big facade over Michael Jordan. It was like, you know, they showed him in this hotel, sipping his orange juice, smoking a cigar, and then swarmed by all the fans. And then mm -hmm. all of a sudden he was at the practice. And so his life was literally basketball. And I'm sure it was, but, mm -hmm. you know, we knew he golfed. We knew he loved his blackjack. We knew, you know, we saw him with uh, some of the security guards throwing quarters. Wait, can someone explain that game to me? Was the point Please. to get the quarter to hit the wall or so? who I, knows that game? I don't know the game, but I understand gambling to a degree. It sort of looks like, it's yeah. sort of like a fundamental, looks like a dice game to a degree where it was yeah. the, you're supposed to mimic the person's role, like throw. Right. Uh, okay. So the the when you hit it off the wall, I think there's the amount of distance that it bounces back from the wall uh, yeah. is the way that okay. you count the. That's the scoring, right? So you're supposed it to. Sounds like a classic degenerate gambling game. <laughs> it's a, it's a as simple as a gambling game as possible. Right? Oh, seriously, but to, to your point though, and uh, it's kind of fun to look through the scope of, um, you know. If if Jordan had a obviously had a hand to play, um, mm -hmm. you know he had to kind of to ingratiate a narrative that will buy at the end of the day. There has to be a conflict and resolution and ups and downs and whatnot. Um, yeah. I think five and six are that. You know, five is like here's the glam, um, here's the here's what it is to be a superstar um, of monumental level, and then. Six was okay. Here's that recompense for all that. Here's the cracks that show. But then, to your point, is like when you really look at it, it's like, all right, the dude didn't take a political stance, which is fine. Totally agree with you. Like artists separated from the art, um, and then he he gambled, but that was more of a media agenda than anything else. There was nothing wrong with what he was doing. So when you kind of step back, you're like, was this? Was this just brought up to bring it up just to kind of show a little bit of balance? Because when I'm looking at it on paper, there's really nothing wrong with anything here. Um, you know, so maybe there is a little bit more cobwebs that we don't know about. And this is just the lowest banging through because people know, yeah, he's a, I mean, Jordan gambling is a huge, you know, it's not a huge hot take. What is a hot take? What I've heard because I'm in the, I was in the industry is like, Jordan is known to go to like the W or big clubs or big restaurants mm -hmm. and multiple stories of him just not paying because he says, I'm Michael Jordan. Me being here is payment enough for you. That side of Jordan is a huge, you know, is a mm -hmm. huge low to him, especially mm -hmm. because just in uh, episode six, contrastly, the one person that everyone that I've heard in Philadelphia tell me and have had experience because I got to uh, serve in food once is Charles Barkley is known to be the most generous of all the basketball players when you go out with him. He's apparently supposed to be a huge tipper, generous guy. So that's not a here nor there. But to your point, we knew that he was gambling. Koki, we knew he was gambling. We knew he was a big golfer. We knew all these things. Like, what did we know? What did we learn here? And if anything, besides well, $10 is 10 grand to him. Yeah, I think I think the 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 morality question is what the the conflict is, right? In episode six and seven, or five and six, right? It's it's more like yeah, we knew he gambled, but we knew he gambled because we've been following Jordan and we love sports, right? Mm -hmm. I think the what they were highlighting was at the time 
the perception of it because one, I think there is an underlying stereotype that if he's gambling and him being who he is, that he's lost control. Right. I think we should recognize that sports betting was still illegal, you know, a year and a half ago. Yeah. (laughs) So in a lot of the East coast and in terms of the, the concept around gambling, one becomes, does he throw the game? So there's that aspect, right? Mm-hmm. But then there's the actual aspect, which to our point of, and I think this is what Brock was trying to hint at, which I don't think he really went there because Brock doesn't really go there, I think, publicly. But mm-hmm. in terms of the expectations of being a Black male in America, especially in the early 90s through the 90s, right? Which Jordan was. Jordan was the quintessential example of a successful black male in the public eye while you're having oj simpson trials also which is a huge contrast two two contrasts but oj again oj oj is not jordan right oj was great and not to not to compare but just in the sense that you have two major black figures in the same time that are representing you know the culture if you will but that's yeah. I, I think yeah. Jordan is way, like, like I don't even think they're even. I agree with you. I agree with you. Agree. Yeah, like it's sort of like the like the Clyde Drexler thing. Like, not that Clyde's not a great player, but it's like we're talking about people talking, in China don't know about OJ Simpson. Yeah, like you know, I mean, like people it, in Russia and Croatia don't know about, know about OJ. But like Jordan, everyone is, knows about Michael Jordan, and they and they know him for basketball. They know him for his right. greatness, right? They know, and everyone knows a Jordan story. Um. And so I think that what they were highlighting in that aspect what was, <laughs> but I think in that aspect, the, um, the thing that they were really talking about was the lack of control, right? So in the eyes of a lot of people, including like someone like my father, who is a completely sober man, who doesn't gamble, doesn't, who's a risk adverse, but because, of, because realistically he's a black man in America, but also the private personality he is, right? So when you combine those two things, there is an expectation that you must be perfect, right? Mm-hmm. And gambling, and not only gambling, but for Jordan, and this is what I also think it's really interesting because it, what people miss, it was never about gambling for Michael, as he expressed it. It's about winning. Competition. Right? Competition. Competition. Not competition. Mm-hmm. It's about winning. He doesn't like losing. He'll he's fortunate enough to be in a position where he has so much capital that he can just keep mm-hmm. playing, which is what mm-hmm. he, he used to his advantage on a regular basis. But mm-hmm. it was never about winning money. It was about beating the person in front of him. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and I think that aspect of things, they hit on to a degree in the, in the doc, but I think that's the underlying thing where he was really trying to say, and I think that's the negative thing when you really think about it, because that for me is the problem. Jordan will do anything to win Uh at any cost. And he's fortunate enough to be in a position where from a capital standpoint, yeah, like, again, for a lot of people, that would be a lot of money. That'd be a degenerate gambling because they they wouldn't be able to keep up their house to, Uh to gamble. Jordan doesn't care about that. He cares about. No, he says so much too. Yeah, like he cares about fundamentally. Yeah. I need to win, and he so, wants your money in, in his, his pocket. pocket. That that yeah. that whole thing, the fact that he was. I thought I thought what he did with uh, uh, Rashad also was such a good response. He's like, look, 
I don't have a problem. My family's on the street. I'm not selling my rings. I'm not selling anything. Um, but I thought that was a, I thought that was a poignant position for Michael yeah. to take. And and again, like for people, and this is the issue with Michael when he's that famous, right? Is that when you're that famous, the loudest critics are people who fund which he says who fundamentally don't know him, and fundamentally don't know the game. So for his his image had gotten so fundamentally big that it's not even about like again like we your point yeah we all know he was a gambler we all know that he played golf we all know I mean that's as some as people who know what it takes to be great in sports for the, to the degree you got to do you got to have something different you got to have that eh, you know what I mean it's it's not nice you know you, for the most part you've got to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm you got to be mean to the degree at some point. And I think for through the eighties, because there were the bad boys pistons and he was a young guy, he got sheltered from that in those first Mm -hmm. three years, the nineties, people started being like, wait, 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 you're normal to what Tim was saying, which is like, and Michael's been like, yeah, I've never said I wasn't normal. You guys said that. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, the unfortunate thing about it is that people don't want him to be normal. They don't want him to gamble. You know, they don't yeah. want him to play golf. They don't understand that for him to average 40 in the playoffs, in the finals, the mental warrior that he was, the only way to do that was to make up, as they said multiple times, make up things in his head to motivate yeah. him to get there. Uh-huh. He's not the guy that can just show up La, 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 score 40 and then go home and be like oh my kids that's that's not how his process works uh-huh. right uh-huh. and i think that a lot of that to the point of like that's what they were trying to highlight in this these uh-huh. two episodes right that yeah. to the degree again that's why i said they had some like obama on there and it's very interesting because I, I don't know obama personally met him a couple times i have a lot of friends that do know him and i know for a fact that his public persona is very different than his private persona. They're not, they're not different in terms of like, he's not a bad person privately than he is publicly, but mm-hmm. the way that he acts, particularly knowing that, well, I represent, I need to be as perfect as possible. Right. Mm-hmm. And realistically, as you said, they're very quick to build you up. They're very quick yeah. to take you down. Certainly. Tim, go ahead. But that's exactly how Michael Jordan felt, didn't he? 100%. He felt he had to uphold this perfect image because we created this narrative. We created be like Mike out of Mm -hmm. Michael Jordan. Mm -hmm. We build you up to tear you down, just Mm -hmm. as you were Mm -hmm. alluding to there. You know, I, I, I... I saw this funny meme the other day and it was like, if Jerry Krause loved the color blue, Michael Jordan would never look at the sky again. Hundred It's like, I, I, I took, he loved Dan Marley. He thought he was the greatest defender. And what mm-hmm. did Michael Jordan want to do? Tear him down. He knew exactly what mm-hmm. to do. And that's that tick in his head, that, you know, a mm-hmm. little bit of insanity that drove him to be the, the greatest of all time or at least in the 90s for sure mm-hmm. but like what mm-hmm. really got me from this was why did michael jordan actually retire i mean 
he retires at first. He's 29 years old before he joined minor league baseball. His father passed away. I believe they're going to get more into that in episode seven and eight. So I'll save that for next time. But mm-hmm. then he comes back. He plays a couple of games. They struggle against the Magic. They can't guard Shaq in 1995, basically. And then all of a sudden, they figure it out, and they go on another three-peat. And then that wears mm-hmm. him out. And he's like, you know what? I'm done. Was it the media? Was it Jerry Krause? Was it just I give everything I have to each and every game so I don't pace myself? So I'm just mm-hmm. absolutely burnt out by the time I'm 34. And I just want to sit back, relax, play some golf, gamble a little, and do what I want to mm-hmm. do for the rest of my life. It's like his interview when he was sitting on the couch in the hotel and he's like, Hey, I'm done. I have no reservations. I'm absolutely burnt out. I'm sick of this media hype. But like now we're looking at today, like he's worth $2.1 billion. He's still Michael Jordan. He's still Mm -hmm. Jordan brand. Like he's still in the media. He Mm -hmm. owns the Charlotte Hornets. He's still very much a part of our life. We may need to save this for the next episode, but Koki, what do you think? Why did Michael Jordan retire in 1998? I think, quite honestly, right, uh, he alludes to it. There's a point, and I think every, especially at the end of the day, I think he retires because he realizes he's just playing basketball, right? And I think there's something that Scott, uh, that Dennis Rodman said in the, I think episode three, where he says basketball is easy. When I have to come talk to you guys, that's when things get complicated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that the reason why all athletes love Mike, and particularly basketball players, is that Mike truly loves basketball. It's the only thing he loves. He wants to play and compete, and it's a thing that he is very, very good at, right? And something that in which I think his, as a personality is something that allows for him to dominate, right? He loves dominating as a person. So if you can if this is the lane in which he can dominate, this is what I'm doing. So for me, I think his, the, the, the concept of, well, hey, I've won one championship was exciting. I've won two championships, exciting. I've won three championships, straight up, mm-hmm. three years in a row. And I love how they said, uh, BJ, the, uh, his teammate says, Michael in 92 wasn't playing basketball anymore. He just figured out how to win, right? That means he had mastered his craft, right? Uh-huh. He was really in that pocket of just like, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't need to think about basketball. I just need to think about winning, which is what he wanted to do, right? Uh-huh. I think at a point, especially again, that's where you start to see his personality shift, right? That 92, 93 season where you've reached a pinnacle and you're looking around and you're like, well, is this it? Yeah, what else is there? What else is there? You know, I think the the moment that he takes, and again, like you said, we'll probably get more into this in the next one, but, and you see it actually, you get it to a degree against the Knicks series, right? Michael is at a point happier off the court. Not because he's not playing basketball, but because he doesn't have expectations for him to succeed in the way that he doesn't define anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. And 
for him again going to Atlantic City and especially as a creative, I understand this degree where it's like sometimes, bro, I don't even want to hear what anyone has to say. Don't talk to me about how you feel about what I want to let me. I'm gonna go and just I'm gonna yeah. go play. And for well, him, I think it's a human element also in yeah, general. 100%. I understand that. Yeah, that's a very yeah, human thing that people I think watching that be like, yeah, I totally get it. Like, absolutely yeah but yeah. if that's the negative image that you're going to leak that's just like it's a softball it's it's not that big right. of a deal and, so that's, and that's kind of like it's the not the game was at 7 30 and he got back yeah. at like 1 a.m even though the newspapers say 2 a.m but is that really a problem like, stories too right yeah it's, <laughs> he had plenty of time to rest plenty of time to go to practice for the, for all, when all you do is basketball you could chill out and go to bed a little late I mean, I, I, I don't think anybody had a problem with that. It's just the media has to focus on something. Exactly. So and that's and that's the is. thing too is that I, I think that the the breakdown of these two uh, two episodes was that forced media. And I want to bring that idea that that media agenda um, and relate that into today. And I before we go into that. I just kind of want to preface it that saying that through all these media um, attacks that he had, assumptions, having to talk about it, having to justify it, um, all that mental space that they, you know, started to populate within Jordan's, uh, you know, Jordan's career. The one thing that I took away from all that was that he had resilience to persevere through all that, he was able to condense all of that when it needed to be condensed. Now he didn't, I don't think he enjoyed it at one, at any point in time. I don't think that he's like, okay, I'll let it go throughout the main part of the season and then I'll condense it in the playoffs. But that being said, he had to condense it somehow. I think all great athletes have to, but especially the legends. And so what I want to forward this to is going on in today. Right, like Cody said, Jordan was an anomaly in the '90s, especially in basketball. You know, I'm, there are other athletes that have reached stardom uh, and acclaim prior to Jordan. Jordan might be the first international one that we know of from the basketball circuit. And at that point, I can't speak for football or baseball or anything like that either. Um, but he was the first to have to occupy this space, and the media came after him. And so all those expectations that Cody had. You have to be resilient to go through those. Now, let's fast forward in 2020. Hell, let's fast forward to 2000. Let's fast forward to even just like LeBron James's career, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. LeBron and greats all have to find that resilient mentality. You've got playoff LeBron. People remember LeBron James doing the media post, doing the Instagram post, doing whatever. But when the playoffs came, we all knew that playoff LeBron took over. It was like everyone knew he just went radio silent. Zero dark thirty. Zero dark thirty, and then the summer LeBron comes out with all the TikToks and whatever you want. But playoff LeBron was locked down. You got the Mamba mentality in Kobe, which never gets turned off, right? Um, and so I start to think, you know, let's look at some characters that we have in today's. I would offer that the antithesis of the Mamba mentality and the Jordan resilience and the playoff LeBron. And you can add your own examples, but I like to look at Dwight Howard as the guy that never, in my opinion, I think he's got a record of being good, 
but his expectations were out through the roof. And I don't know if he had the resilience to go and become that player that a lot of people expect him to be. And I look at players like, you know, do players like Kawhi, Durant, Harden have it? And more specifically, when I'm looking at three players that I'm just going to quote out is, let's look at our two, particularly, Joel and and Ben. You know, do any of them have that mentality to go out and prove to their GM that that guy's not a good defender or that they're going to beat them because they're not going to refuse, they're going to refuse to lose, right? And then I think an interesting one to keep our eyes on is Zion. You know, Zion's got a lot of expectation. He looks like he's going to be great. Does he have that resilience to break through expectations, to deal with all of that that comes with that, the media haze and everything like that? So going into today, that's a long preamble, it's all to say, going into today, did Jordan leave a blueprint on how to handle it or all these new players treading their own water because the 2000s are a different animal than the 90s? I mean, I would say it's a bit of both, right? I think I was having this conversation with a friend earlier, actually, and we were talking about how I think it's more of a combination, right? Like, I would say that the playoff LeBron is very different than the Jordan mentality, right? I think everything LeBron does to a degree is sort of the antithesis of Jordan, right? I think Dwight Howard is just doesn't have it at all. Like I don't think he was ever just straight up. Like I don't ever think he was that player Can't argue. because mm-hmm. there is a growth that again, Michael was showing in at North Carolina that Dwight wasn't able to show really at any point outside of the raw talent. Um, True, but I would argue that the expectations for his play were there. No, expectations. I think he might not have it, yeah. but the expectations were certainly there. But, but that's the thing is I think that it's different with, again, the reason why LeBron and, and Kobe and them are different is that the expectations were not just met. They were shattered. Yeah. Right? But mm-hmm. when Dwight Howard played with Kobe Bryant, that proves enough that mm-hmm. he just didn't have it. Kobe yeah. is the guy that had it. If anybody's close enough to Michael Jordan, it was Kobe Bryant. And that was mm-hmm. really touching that how episode five kind of brought us mm-hmm. into that. And mm-hmm. Jason Harris said there wasn't anything changed other than in loving memory of Kobe Bryant in the beginning. You know, it kind of gives me goosebumps to hear his voice mm-hmm. and hear him give a lot of praise to Michael Jordan. It was, a, it was a bizarre moment. For yeah, sure. for sure. Kind of surreal. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. Dwight Howard, I mean, it's no argument. He didn't have that Mamba mentality. Yeah. Paul Gasol not as talented, but was able to at least understand what Kobe Bryant wanted from him. You know, he, he was able to get a championship mm-hmm. because of it, but nobody pissed off Kobe more than Dwight Howard, maybe well, like Sasa Vujicic, but you know, well, I was about to say, a star, I, think, at least. I think that there's a, the player that I think is interesting in the, that we haven't talked about and it hasn't really been talked about in this doc at all, that I think it was really the next Jordan to degree. He's Shaq. Oh. Right? Yeah. And I think that's... I thought you were going somewhere else. <laughs> well, no, I also think that in terms of... Shaq's like, like the next Wilt in a way, though. Yeah, but... Here's also, this extreme athlete, seven-foot yeah, monster. monster. Nobody could guard him. But I you think know, at, uh-huh. at a point, like, when you think uh-huh. of like, Shaq's career, right? Like, he took 
I think, especially before Kobe really came onto the scene as Kobe Bryant, right? And this is what the argument of the early 2000s Lakers is, is who's the better player, Shaq or Kobe? Sure, sure. Yeah. Right? And mm-hmm. who's more important, Shaq or Kobe? Yeah. And I think that with Kobe as a personality, especially when he's coming out of school with Jordan, right, is like, well, I'm the best player. I have to elevate my game to get better, right? And I think that when you look at it, someone like Shaq and even Shaq's career, he's a great player, unbelievable talent, definitely lived up to the hype. But did Shaq shatter the hype? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Did Shaq shatter the concept of what it meant to be a, a, a no, uh, like in terms yeah, of no. yeah, like again, and not saying that he wasn't arguably the greatest center of all time. Don't don't get twisted, right? But that's it. Like, like he could have been. He could have been not even close to the greatest center of all time. Like destroyed it, right? Yeah. And I think that's what uh-huh. Kobe even hints at it during his speech, right? He's like, you know, Shaq, he, or not in a speech. He said in an interview, like, oh, Shaq could have been a thousand times better, right? Uh-huh. And I think that that's sort of the difference and again for for Shaq's sanity honestly I think it helps him right in terms of I think it keeps Shaq like the Shaq that we see the fun loving that energy that whole thing but also that that's also the thing that allowed Shaq to get fat right yeah but that's (laughs) it you're you're flirting around a wonderful topic it's like when you're 18 19 you have all the talent in the world you can't really give yourself or typically don't really have that drive. Mm. And that's what for me makes LeBron so special out of all those guys, Wilt Chamberlain, Shaquille O'Neal, you know, Anthony Bennett, mm. you know, they Jeez. have the talent, but then all of a sudden, you know, Anthony Bennett becomes the, mo- the biggest bust of all time, yeah. you know, barely does anything in the NBA, but LeBron exceeds expectations, even though he was the chosen one. Mm. Like Michael Jordan mm-hmm. overcame adversity. He was born into this like big man league where there was like one star per team. And he needed to mm-hmm. prove that a guard could run a team. And you, you I, I, I was like blown away. I, I really want to watch that like Nick series again. Mm. I can't wait to get, get on YouTube and just, just really see what a full game highlight looks like. Not just what they want to piece and show us. It's like, Patrick Ewing was swarmed. Their number one goal was like, just don't let that guy get a bucket. And obviously the next goal was don't let Mike get a bucket, but Mike still got buckets. Patrick Ewing did it. We're not going to argue like Michael Jordan's the greatest player in the nineties because Mm -hmm. of all this. Mm -hmm. He beat Charles Barkley. He beat, Mm -hmm. you know, Claude Drexler. He made Claude Drexler look like just an average player. He was far Mm -hmm. superior from any other guard in the game. He wasn't even close. And if somebody yeah. thought they were close, oh, there's a little argument here. No, I'm going to destroy you. Yeah. And that's what people love. And that's what created this aura. And he built Nike to what it is today. You know, mm-hmm. be, I, I love that. I so saw he some bet on conflicting. Because right? he made a bet on yeah. himself. Yeah. At that point, it's like Nike was, uh, I think someone referred to him as trap shoes in the, uh, in the, in the dock. And he takes what someone calls a trap shoe into the most profitable clothing brand, athletic clothing brand, shoe brand to ever 
walked the earth. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to say all this without really zeroing in on our two superstars here in Philadelphia. It really is because we're talking about two people that have, they're in that sweet spot of where your body can do whatever you want, or they're in the progression into the sweet spot where your body can do whatever you want. You know, minus Joel getting hurt sometimes, but that's neither here nor there. Ben Simmons can, he wants to put on seven pounds of muscle. That dude can be LeBron, like Jack LeBron back in the day, right? You can do whatever you want. I think what is the highlight of this entire doc so far is the mental mentality of this all is that you've got two kids here that want to be regarded as the best, might already think that they're the best, right? Maybe they think that they can't beat LeBron, you know, Maybe they think that they're four bounces away from beating Kawhi Leonard, and that all is sufficient. But the moment that struck me in the last, in the sixth episode, was Charles Barkley coming to the realization mid-game, being like, "I'm not the best on the planet," I'm, I, and that's got to be such a hard pill to swallow when you are MVP, when you are that dominant because of your body type, and then to realize that regardless someone out there is better than you playing basketball. And I think that X factor, again, goes back to the mentality of these players. And I looked at the R2 players and Joel and, and, and Ben to say, all right, Ben, you know, you're on, you're, you're being deemed as the second part of LeBron's tree, right? Like Kawhi isn't the young prince. Uh, Kyrie wasn't the young prince. Uh, you know, you out of Australia and in AAU league are being deemed as the prince to succeed LeBron James, who is, you know, debatable, whatever you'd like, either start his own tree or is coming from the Jordan tree. But regardless, the first candidate on LeBron's list is Ben Simmons. And then you've got Joel, who is, you know, just a dominant force, going to be one of those dominant forces. But two people that are, you know, I even tailor this over to Ben being like, here are these expectations now. What are you going to do? Are you going to develop that 11-foot shot? Are you going to develop some type of mid-range? Like, Jordan would have. You know, well, LeBron this, became the defensive player of the year. give me a 10-footer, please. Tennis, right? Well, not just Michael Jordan's the greatest mid-range shooter we've ever seen. Just, I mean, like, I'm, learn I'm, from the guy it. a little bit. Oh, my God. So sexy, that shot, man. I oh. mean, I think, the, mm-hmm. the Trav, to mm-hmm. your point, like, this is why, again, I, I, I don't want to stay too long on the Sixers because I, I don't think I would say that we just don't have it. Right in a, in a short summed up way, and the reasons because you're right. There is a big difference, and again, it's a personality thing. And it, for some people, it allows them to live right. Like Ben Simmons might live a very nice life because he he wasn't the best. Right, the dude's on and off with Kendall Jenner. It's not like, horrible. Like yeah, today. like you know, <laughs> I mean, again, this is what I would say about Shaq. Right, at the end of the day, Shaq's career did everything he needed to do. A man got yeah. four championships. He got played for great teams in the playoffs. He was in movies. He had his own shoe. He had, he did everything. He did everything that you need to do. But at the end of the day, right, and this is what, again, someone like a Kobe, I think, had issues with a player like Shaq, especially when he was on his own team, was that I'm giving, and this is also, I think, what the, the amazing thing about why Jordan and Kobe got along so well, they are the smaller guys. They have to do more to get the same thing, mm-hmm. right? And once that was achieved, they only wanted more, 
right? Mm-hmm. So the Jordan is always searching, at least when he's on the court, for a way to prove to everyone that there is no competition around me. Whether that's mm-hmm. me spending more time working out, whether that's me having to do and go up against the big guys, whether that's me having to punch my teammate during the during practice, I am going to prove to everyone. And even when he, again, the, the him and Steve Kerr, there's you know you see a little preview for the next thing. It's like I'm going to prove that hey, I need to be I need to be ten times rougher in practice and on a day-to-day than everything that I'm doing moving forward, right? Mm-hmm. And Yeah, but NBA it, players today are too soft for that sort of Well, this, again, this is why we coaching. respect we respect LeBron, right? For sure. Where, again, the, 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 the issue with a lot of our superstars, and again, this, I think it's not just the NBA today. It's the NBA period. Jordan said he walked into the locker room in the first episode, walked into, I mean, the hotel room. The whole team is doing lines and drinking. Now he even says it in the in the this most recent episode. He's like, they had the beer after they had the that record, and he's like, guys, you don't even know. Like, I get that you have a, I put you guys on the high standard. I get that, but you don't even know mm-hmm. what I was dealing with before. So if you guys, I mm-hmm. I can respect why you guys, I can appreciate why we can have our beer now, right? Yeah, yeah the, we're always going to the it says, it says a lot about. It says a lot about Jordan for a guy who, because I, I, that makes me think that in, in, in coincidentally, two industries that kind of are symbiotic. You got the, the NBA basketball culture coinciding with the hip hop culture where, you know, you've got Jay-Z over here saying, you know, I'm not a businessman, I'm a businessman. You got Wiz Khalifa getting out of rap to go endorse and make his money. You've got NBA players that, hey, I've got this talent might as well use it to um, to an end. And I think you've got a lot of people these days that are in the league, perhaps because of that, and have lost sight of the goal, which is to win. And that is something that Michael, uh, you know, I have a note down here. It says, regardless of the glitter and glam, regardless of the, the forced agenda of the media, regardless of the turmoil, the dude still won. He won. Winning solves everything. And I think for some superstars today, winning is nice. It's sufficient, but it's not necessary. It's and not that, everything. I think, is a big takeaway. It's not everything. Yeah. It's, there's a life beyond here. And I think that's going to be a criticism. You know, if LeBron can't win one with the Lakers, I would say that's going to be a criticism. Be like, oh, you didn't win it with the Lakers, but you got a nice production company out there, don't you, LeBron? Yeah, you've got a couple you know, in real films going, don't you, LeBron? But you couldn't win with the Lakers, so what were your motives? To me, before the lockdown, it looked like the Lakers were super dangerous and that LeBron was going to turn it on and LeBron was going to be the steamroller that he can be. Maybe we'll never know. But that does lead to a lot of expectations that we're going to have to wrestle with. But one expectation that Jordan always seems to meet is winning which is a huge takeaway from both of these episodes. Well, and I think that realistically, when you get into the LeBron Jordan mentality, right? Um, uh, Paul said, asked about, is Jordan too selfish? And the answer I think to that is, depends on what you think the goal of life is, right? 
if you think the goal of life is to have a family and make some money and and to you know be able to look at yourself in the mirror at the end of the day and be like cool yeah you could argue that jordan's too selfish but if your goal is to become and to take a franchise and to like i said shatter expectations of what it meant mm -hmm. to be an nba player um and shatter what it meant to be a single individual player in the NBA, then no, because quite honestly, he needed to beat the Charles Barkleys, the Pistons, the Larry Birds, the Magic Johnsons. He needed to beat the two biggest teams or the, the, some of the biggest market teams, the Knicks, the Celtics, the, the Lakers that are that would easily Houston with Akeem Olajuwon. He had to beat these guys that were these guys were better than him to a degree, right? Like on in 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 if you were to like take out the Jordan aspect, you know, like these guys are better than him. The Shaq, young Shacks, um, but for him and to for his goal. Um, which was again, like to your point, is winning. Like even the doc, he's like, oh, through all this stuff, we're talking about this stuff. The only thing I cared about was, oh no, we gotta, we gotta win a championship again. We gotta win. We gotta go yeah. beat the next. And, and I think, uh, Tim, I'm gonna give you the last point on that too. Sorry, Phil, go ahead. Well, because I think the, I think to your LeBron thing, the the for me, the moment in LeBron's career that I think sums up everything that LeBron is a player, which the reason we, I think we put him on the same level as Jordan, and I personally do, is the 2016, I was talking to you, Tim, about this, 2016 finals, the play where you have a 2-1 fast break between Andre Iguodala, Steph Curry. Puts up all this hand. I mean, I, if, if that doesn't show the, the, not only puts up, he blocks the entire backboard and jumps over his own player. I always said if they're ever going to give him a statue, it's got to be the block. I mean, it's it's that iconic. That is that personifies pure effort and will. You know, and you love to see it from people like them, like the people that you want to see make the play, make make the, the play. play. Hugely, oh gosh, you know, and it's and such a such a nice payoff. I, I mean, I was watching. That's the why day. we watch sports. Yeah, to see mm -hmm. what can we physically do as humans with you know our God-given abilities. Mm. How can we maximize mm -hmm. what God gave us? Yeah, and, I, and that's that's the thing that I think that even from like the good or bad and even what we're watching, it's, you know, it's, we're watching a man that to a degree for good or for bad gave everything and still to the day, I think his mental until he really dies, gives everything to be perceived and did everything that he could have done when he had the opportunity to win and take it no matter what anyone did. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's what we're watching. That's why people love Jordan because he had the ability to do that when a lot of people just flat out couldn't, didn't want to, and uh, particularly weren't interested in. Mm -hmm. We're running a little over time here. So, Tim, you're getting the last word. Sure. Yeah, here we go. So, just like we were saying before, Michael Jordan loved nothing more than taking your money and putting it into his pocket. 
And I feel like when it comes to basketball, yeah, he loved to win, but I feel like he loved nothing more than making sure that anybody you liked, if it wasn't me, I wanted to tear them down. I feel like he wanted to take away your championship more than get a championship for himself. It was more of a relief rather than a victory. It was like, all right, we finally got through that. And yeah, it's figuring out like when you have that talent, you need to create a narrative for yourself. What's the full motivation? What are you really getting out of this? Who do you have to focus on? What What's mm-hmm. your will? What's your focus? What What's really the outcome at the end of the day is, is winning. But like, how do you get there? You need to get your me- mental to a certain state and then that that'll take care of itself. You know, he he eventually got $1.3 billion from Nike. They've paid him $1.3 billion since that first contract. Made $500,000 a year at first, where people thought that was insane. Five times what anybody was willing to pay him. But Nike knew something, and they were nothing. And that was why we love them so much. And that's why we love Michael mm-hmm. so much. But it's like, all right, my focus for the next couple episodes is why did he retire what's the real reason and then secondarily what is this documentary going to show us i feel Mm -hmm. hopefully they're going to be correlated you know as i i grew up through this whole process he retired when he was 29 years old i'm 29 right now so i'm trying to vision like why would you retire at 29 years old yeah you're in sports and luke keekley at the top of his game linebacker for the Panthers, for those that don't know, he's retiring right now. And the NFL is going through a big stage on like players retiring at the peak of their game. And so Michael Jordan wanted to do, but uh, it it gets me upset. It's like, why, why are you taking this away from us? Like, I hate to be so selfish with this, but as a fan, you just want to see more. I want to see the full journey. And he took away his deterioration he left the game at an all-time high with the shot, with like the pinnacle storybook ending. And it's like, all right, is that going to be episode 10? Is that going to be it? Is that how they're going to write the book? We don't know, but that's why we're, well, we're not going to see a documentary with his time with the Wizards, I'll tell you that much. But nah, <laughs> I, I don't anyway. think they're going to show any of that. Nobody even wants to remember that. It's like, no one wants to remember that. That's too funny. All right. Well, that was great point. Great point to end it on. Um, we've got episode seven and eight coming up this Sunday, and we will be sure. back providing our analysis and uh, thoughts to that. You have been listening to NSSN here on the Nerdy Bunch podcast. Uh, we will see you next week, everyone. Who wants to do the honors? Tim or Cody? I'll do it. All Keep right. it nerdy. Tim, go ahead. Keep, Keep it nerdy, it nerdy. everybody. Have a good one, guys.